0: Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmati, where it's all about health optimization, anti-ageing, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmaty.com. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week I have Dr. Christian Drapeau to guest, and Dr. Christian is a stem cell researcher Uh, and he has been in the space for I think over 20 years and he was one of the the first people that really worked out that stem cells are our uh, recovery system of the body and back then that was heresy uh, when he published that sort of information but now it's sort of accepted. Uh, Dr. Christian, very, very interesting person tells us the story of developing a product that he has called Stem Regen, which you're going to want to get after listening to this uh, episode. Um, You can go to kalyajin.com Com, which is his website k-a-l-y-a-g-e-n and use the code lisa and you'll get a discount for it uh, capital l-i-s-a um, and i'm also looking at uh, bringing stem regen down to new zealand with a bit of luck in the next few weeks so make sure you check into my sh- uh, shop at uh, lisa com to see whether we've got it here in new zealand as well uh, what this is all about is about stem cell research. We're talking about the whole history of stem cell research, what stem cells do in the body, the different types of stem cells, and we're also looking at how to mobilize more of your stem cells. As we get older, we re- we uh, don't release as much stem cells into circulation, and stem cells are very, very powerful. Without them, we're dead, actually. Um and we, we have these right throughout our lives. And of course, when we're younger, we have more of these. And as usual, as we are older, uh, we produce or, or release less of them. Uh, Dr. Christian explains that process and how that all works. And the compounds that he spent the last 20 years researching, starting off with something called AFA, which was a, a blue-green algae from Klamath Lake, and then going into other uh, compounds that he studied from all around the world. And some of the Lengths that he's gone to to get some of these compounds—it's a very interesting uh, story. So I hope you enjoy this podcast with Dr. Christian Drapeau. Um, head over to uh, christiandrapeau.com if you want to find more about the man himself and Kale Jin. It's very hard to say that. K A L Y A G E N dot com and use the code LISA at checkout and check into my shop and see whether it's down here in New Zealand. We're working on that of the next few weeks. So without further ado, over to Dr. Christian Drippo. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm just jumping out of my skin for excitement. I've got Dr. Christian Japo with me. Uh, fantastic to have you, sir. I'm so excited to talk stem, stem cells and all your research. So welcome to the show.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: <laughs> now, um, before we get into the science of stem cells and the amazing things that stem cells can do, um, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and how did you get into this area?
1: Well, my background is neurophysiology. So I started in brain research. I was essentially doing research on epilepsy and memory at the Montreal Neurological Institute. And uh, and I was hired, uh, this was in 1995, I was hired to study uh, a plan that you may have heard, uh, Klamath Lake Blue Greenology, uh, AFA, mm-hmm. And uh at the time, you know, the the Shea has just had just been passed in America, which is the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, saying that any company promoting a product needed to have science behind their their product. So I was hired. I studied that plant very quickly. We identified the active compounds behind the anti-inflammatory properties of this this product, behind its effect on immunity and its effect on mental clarity, which was one of the main comments that consumers would bring. But as I'm doing all of this, I come across people who reversed multiple sclerosis, heart disease, liver failure, diabetes, emphysema, uh, skin problems, uh, Parkinson, alzheimer's wow. so when you start to look at all of this from a purely scientific standpoint past the initial phase where uh, there's first disbelief you know yeah these yeah. are just stories you know they have no scientific substantiation but when you get 50 of those 100 of those and you start to, to communicate with these individuals and you realize that their story is solid then it becomes compelling to try to explain what is it that a product is doing when it brings benefit to the heart to the brain, to the liver, to the pancreas, to the to the skin, to you know. So what is it doing? And uh, one thing leading to another. In early 2001, I came across a paper, the first paper in for me, that described the our stem cells uh, were observed to leave the bone marrow and go into the brain and becoming a brain cell. So two two amazing breakthrough here we are in a in a world my background being brain research we are told and have been told that you do not make new brain cells and stem cells in 2000 2001 are only known to be precursors to blood cells so to now show that a stem cells can become cells of another tissue and of all tissue the brain That was an amazing breakthrough. It went unnoticed in the scientific literature in general, but to me, it had a huge impact because I thought, what else can I find in the scientific literature? So I went to to look and I found similar uh, data showing how stem cells could become heart cells and liver cells. We are in early 2001. That's the only thing I could find in the scientific literature. But what I started to think was if stem cells can become heart, liver and brain, why not long pancreas, skin and the rest? It makes yeah. no sense physiologically speaking that they become those three and not the rest. And if they do become the rest, you cannot have a stem cell becoming a brain cell and that's not its function. Like you don't have something like this in the body. So if they become brain cells and all the different cells of the body, it has to be the repair system. So the thought in the back of my mind was, what if that plant Let's say stem cells are the repair system of the body. What if that plant simply stimulate the release of stem cells from the bone marrow? Having more stem cells in circulation, they will go to the pancreas of the diabetic, the brain of the Parkinson, the heart of the heart patient. You should expect a broad variety of benefits, and that's what we had. So that's the beginning of my involvement in stem cell research, this wild idea that stem cells are probably the repair system of the body. We published a a hypothesis on this in the Journal of hypotheses and the work on that plant as potentially a stem cell mobilizer and we quickly discovered that that's what the plant was doing by counting stem cells so so that's uh, everything for me shifted now and I became uh, a stem Stem cell cells
0: (laughs) stem cell scientists from neuroscience and when you when you published that at first in the hypothesis journal um uh because this is a paradigm shift really, isn't it? It's it's a paradigm shift and and I bet you were ridiculed and, uh, you know, had a lot of like, oh, yeah, right, That's yeah. Not a, a
1: um, I mean in the publication itself uh, I would say you know these things go unnoticed unless yeah. unless you're picked up by something big there are so many of these great ideas that just go unnoticed in the scientific literature. Um but but yes what you're describing is very true. Uh I would say with the idea with even the product developed with patents being filed and demonstration with cases of people who reverse very significant health uh, health health problems Even with all of this, If we would go to any company to to carry the product, we would meet the the attorneys who would say, don't do this because the FDA will come down and stem cells is about disease. So the FDA or TGA in Australia will shut you down. Uh, And my, my response to that was, no, it's the natural repair system of the body. We're simply supporting a very normal function of the body, which today is very well understood, but back then it was not. And the second obstacle were the scientists who would say, putting more stem cells in circulation means absolutely nothing. Number one, number two, maybe it's bad for you. And I'm showing the cases and these were like the two main obstacles. And to your point, I remember, uh, at some point being uh, in vacation actually, and and talking about the whole concept with a a group of friends. And there's a doctor that heard about our discussion because there was a, a, a a convention at that resort at the same time. And, uh, he came back later and he says, uh, Uh, are you part of this group about stem cells? And I said, yeah, I'm the one who developed it and invented it. And he was a little bit Taken aback, surprised, but then he took back his courage and he told me, he says, Well, he says, uh, stem cells being able to become cells of other tissues and all of that. He said, It's, it's completely idiotic. I mean, this is false. <laughs> and I told him, Well, I, I and mean, I was writing my book at the time. So I had all the papers with me in my bedroom. So I said, If you want, let me go and get the paper. And he says, you, You're wasting your time. Like you're wasting your time. Let me tell you. That's what he said. He said, Let me tell you something, son, because it looks like nobody is telling you. You're just an idiot. And, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the arrogance of it, this is that's just mind boggling. Maybe I just mean,
1: Yeah, I laughed about it because because in a way, it's just it's an image, you know. It's yeah. if you don't learn something in college mm. through academia, when somebody very- telling this to you coming from you know a completely unexpected direction, a company working with like a blue green algae, it, it's so insignificant that it just does not. Across their brain, and then we, we with any kind of credibility. Yeah. So we went this uh, for a number of years and uh, and and slowly it really kind of trickled down in, in the general population. So right yeah. now it's no longer a question. They yeah, know yeah. that stem cells are your repair system and uh, the fact that there are plants that can support the release of your stem cells, that is still to an extent a new thing on the marketplace.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely fascinating. And you know, I I, I just briefly, you know, with, with my mom's story, of course, it's an N of one. It's one of those cases that is a miracle, <laughs> but it's not a miracle um but the the arrogance of of like when you talk to doctors, you know I remember one of her doctors coming and seeing us at a cafe, and she was mum was walking down the thing while I was sitting having a coffee, and this was after the stroke and the aneurysm, and you know where she was told like. This doctor told her, you are worse than the worst case of dementia I've ever seen. She's never going to do anything. She will never have any quality of life. And here she is walking down the walkway on her own. (laughs) And I'm sitting in the cafe and she comes in and she just like, oh, my God, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Your mother is walking. And, and, you know, yeah, do you want to know what I did? (laughs) Uh, No. And she turned around and walked out. And I'm like, there is the problem. There is the problem. No, No intellectual curiosity whatsoever. And because it's not a clinical study, uh, that, you know, it's an n of one. It's a it's it's nothing. But I tell you, these n of ones, these outliers, are the things that I think we should be studying. Because what are they doing, and what combination of things are they doing? You know, and, you know, double blinded placebo controlled trials are great, but only uh, the pharmaceutical companies can afford that. So when you look at things like hyperbaric or whatever, you're not going to get that sort of research happening. And changing one variable at a time is not the answer sometimes it's a multi-pronged approach so I, we need new models i think on, on how to, to look at things but then what would i know i'm not a scientist um. no no you're
1: you're, to, you're totally right what you're saying here is is so important and even for 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 your community to to hear you know i am not at all speaking against double blind randomized you know placebo controlled studies these are all good what we forget in this all in this whole investigation is that Let's put it this way. If we look in the sky and we see a man flying, it doesn't mean that because these other 20 beside were not able to fly that this one did not fly. Yeah. If that one flew, then that means we can fly. Let's just find what he did to fly. So, so for me, I observe life in reality, and I'm trying to explain what I see. And if I do a controlled study in which I don't see what I saw in life, I don't negate what I saw in life. And so what you're describing is is, is so spot on, it, need, it it requires a lot of funds to be able yeah. to do the kind of studies that would allow proving something. And in the non-pharmaceutical world, nobody has that kind of money.
0: Nobody, so, yeah. so they
1: remain uninvestigated. And at the end of the day, they can be very, very important because we have the same case. We had at some point, so this is with the first product that we had, so an extract from blue green algae and uh and we wanted to test it with some very difficult condition, so we had access to eight uh individuals with spinal cord lesion, quadriplegics uh and wow. that had, had some of them complete uh section, others incomplete, but in a wheelchair, like completely paralyzed for for the most part of those eight four. I would assume, because they, they quit the study, So I, I, but I would assume that to become um, compliant with the regimen that we, that we suggested to them, when you have the complication of a life as a quadriplegic, to believe that these, these little capsules are going to make a difference in the life of the quadriplegics for a condition for which medicine cannot do anything, it takes a level of, of trust if you want. I think it was not there. In the four that remained, Two of them really wanted to take the product, but they were hospitalized many times because of all kinds of complication. And every time the nurses, the doctors would take the product away. Don't use this. Uh, we don't know it. Therefore, it's not good for you. That's the typical language of the, the two left took the product consistently for about a year. And both of them had significant improvement. One of them basically was able to move her legs, bend her legs at the knee, lateral movement. And at the end of 10 months, was able to basically lift her leg using the weight of her leg with her arms. So it's pelvic muscle, abdominal muscle, back muscle, it's like it's huge. overall body regeneration. She was able to, to, with the weight of her leg, to sit on her bed, move back on her bed and be able to eat, uh, hold a book, uh, you're talking about something that is, I mean, life-changing. So I have this on video, and I meet at a at a stem cell conference. Uh, this is I mean many years ago, maybe 2009, something like this. It was it was in Australia. It was in um, somewhere in the south, and um, so I'm at that that conference, and I meet a, a scientist that was part of the American Society for Spinal Cord Injury. So I show her the video, and I'm thinking, you know, somebody in her position. She would look at this and she would step back and just say, what, what, tell me more about it (laughs) because this, we don't see this in medicine. And no, she looked at it. She looked at me. Somebody called her and she says, I need to go. And, and, and she went away. That's it. The conversation stopped there. Zero interest in knowing anything about it.
0: Where is the curiosity? This is exactly what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and yes, it's a leap of faith to think that a pill could do something, but if you understand the mechanism of action behind it, if you go and dive into the research, and this is what we're going to do today, is, is really look at some of the research that you've been able to pull together over the years and other scientists and, and look at what stem cells... So let's go back a little bit and talk about what are stem cells and then the difference between embryonic stem cells and adult stem cells... And then maybe look at the the history of, of use of stem cells. Like, you know, we, we hear about stem cell injections and autologous, you know, using your fat cells versus the embryonic cells, which is what got it into hot water of this, this area of science there for a little while. Um, just so that people understand what are stem cells and where do they come from and how, you know, what are they all about?
1: Very good. So stem cells, the best way to probably define what they are is to start by defining what are not stem cells. So all the cells of your body some that are called somatic cells, so cells of your heart, of your brain, of your skin, all these cells, they're called somatic cells. These are cells that will do one specific thing. They will never transform into another type of cell. And to a large extent, they will never multiply. So you get a cell of your, I don't know, you go to the gym, you work super hard, you have uh, injury into your muscle. A cell of your skin is not going to look down and say, gee, the muscle is needing assistance. I'm going to go there and becoming a muscle cell. It it, it won't happen. So stem cells at the other end of the spectrum, they are nothing. They're like a blank cell. Their real role is in their ability to transform into other types of cells. Historically, they were known to be Adult stem cells in the bone marrow historically were known to be precursors to blood cells. They could become platelets, red blood cells, and lymphocytes, but that was it. So the huge discovery at the beginning of the, of, of the year of of, of our century, uh, in the year 2000 was that adult stem cells from the bone marrow actually can become cells of virtually every single tissue and organ of the body. So these are adult stem cells. We can come back to that in in a moment. So let's start by the basics. So embryonic stem cells. Embryonic stem cells have been known for a little bit longer when, uh, in the study of embryology, fertility, uh, in mice, you know, in the early, in the early sixties, uh, maybe fifties, uh, it was, you know, this whole field started to develop. So we knew that there is such a thing as a cell that can lead to the entire formation of a of a full organism. Mm. So these cells that are extracted only from the embryo. So this is the eight to 10 days old embryo. Beyond this, then you, you, you fall into fetal stem cells. They no longer have the same power. They're still powerful, but they don't have the same power. They have never really been used uh, in any kind of research truly. So the embryonic stem cells are extracted from the embryo. These stem cells are very powerful. The problem is that they are too powerful. Mm. If you use any treatment let's say you inject uh, embryonic stem cells in the heart, you will get heart cells, but you have a good likelihood to get also some pieces of bone, hair, skin, uh, all kinds of tissues so it 's called a teratoma it 's a form of tumor, and it is the main reason why to this day, there are no treatments with embryonic stem cells. Yep. The risk of tumor, tumor development is too big yeah so uh, embryonic stem cells have been used a lot in research for one specific application. If I want to test a drug on a human heart, for example, you cannot do studies in humans. You need to do them in animals if you want to look at the mechanism. But if you take a human embryonic stem cell and you turn it into a heart cell, that is now a human heart cell. Yep. So it allows to do a lot of drug research drug development gotcha. using human cells. That is the real development of for the use of embryonic stem cells now the uh, i don 't know if you're interested to go into the understanding of the the, the polemic you know or, or this whole controversy about uh, embryonic stem cells yeah a little bit it, yeah, let's I, think I think it's interesting for the for the landscape you know because in the early 2000s, when all of this emerged. There were these messages talking about baby parts and we're killing babies and, uh, and it, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's a little bit true and it's not true. What I mean is that the, the information has been misused for political purposes to a degree that is just mind-blowing. Yeah. These embryos are coming from in vitro fertilization. So you get a a couple that cannot uh, produce, cannot have children. So they go to a clinic for in vitro fertilization. You take a sperm and an egg. You basically create a zygote. You develop them to the level of an embryo, and then you preserve them. And then you implant one, two, or three in the uterus of the mother. And then you see how many of them are going to hold and produce a baby. When they do this, they will produce, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 of these embryos, and they freeze them. And uh, after the family has developed and now they have two, three, four, five kids, whatever they want, then they will stop paying to maintain the remaining embryos in the cryopreservation in in the freezer. So when that happens, then the people who own the place, the in vitro fertilization clinic, will take these embryos and will just basically throw them into the sink. We'll clean the vials and that's it. So these embryos are killed through the sink. Or you can take them and then you can use them for research. So this idea that you're killing a human being, these embryos are absolutely non-viable in any way, shape, or form unless they are implanted in a uterus. So they're not absolutely not viable. So the question is really, and, and I, I thought the thing was kind of interesting as a society phenomenon, if you were to attack embryonic stem cell research. And I'm not saying that I'm for it. I'm just trying to describe what what it was. If you are to attack uh, the use of embryo for research, then you need to be against the use of made up embryos because that's how they're destroyed. So whether you destroy it through research or you destroy them by throwing them in the sink, you do the same thing. You've destroyed human embryo. But if you start to attack in vitro fertilization clinic, now you start to suggest that, The 50 or 75,000 human beings right now or more in America that are, you know, babies, if you want, you know, they're now illegitimate human beings and politically that it's an untenable position. So they attack the, the research without ever really going to the depth of the question, which is. Are we for or against creating life in a test tube? And are we for or against the consequence of it, which is killing an embryo either by research or throwing it in the sink? And that was never part of the, of the conversation.
0: Yeah. It's Just to understand the background.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay? Yep. It was politics. Yep. Those stem cells were truly never used for any treatment in humans. Adult stem cells, the difference is that they are not as powerful as embryonic stem cells, meaning if you put them in the liver, they will only become liver cells. You put them in a muscle, they only have muscle cells. But it's a good thing because they are as powerful as embryonic stem cells, meaning they can repair anything, but they will only become the cells of the tissue in which they, they they migrate, in which they're, they're placed. So that means there's no tumor, there's no, there's no risk for tumor formation. This so from a, yep. from a therapeutic standpoint, it really makes adult stem cells the solution with stem cells.
0: And so adult, when you say adult stem cells, so anything that is like being near to being born, you know, the umbilical cord stem go. cells, bone marrow stem cells, uh, fat stem cells, these are all classes uh adult stem cells and then there are subclasses of these but um that, so that, and that's what we're going to be discussing today so we're going to be talking about adult stem cells not the, the what previous conversation was um and so when we're looking at adult stem cells so the question i had like okay we are born with um stem cells uh, like a bank account i think was one of your mm-hmm. analogies and it's in our bone marrow and our bone marrow is yellow, uh, so red b- bone marrow for starters, that slowly over time, I think by the time of 15, we've lost half of it or three quarters of it or something that you said, uh, of the uh, red bone marrow is turned into yellow bone marrow. But we always have this repository of stem cells. Is that
1: correct? If I butchered correct. that? Or, yeah? yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So it's, okay. it's like a bank account that's sort of a, think of it as a bank account that self-generates income Yep. And uh, and that's your stem cells. And at the other end, cellular loss is, is your expenses. So yep. as you as you're young, you don't lose sales as fast as, as when you're older. And you have more red marrow. So you generate, you self-generate more income if you want. As you age, that red marrow shifts into yellow marrow. So the number of stem cells that you release in circulation declines as you age. By age 30, you've lost about 95% wow. of that bank. And, but as you age, you also start to lose more cells. So there's a point in your life when you lose that balance between how many you lose and how many you have available to repair the cells that are being lost. That is the point in our lives when we start to experience aging.
0: Yeah, about 30 <laughs> it,
1: it, well, well if you, start you think about to go it going know,
0: downhill yeah exactly yeah, i yeah. was
1: working with a group of young people a number of years ago uh, to develop a marketing message about stem regen this product that i developed that triggers the release of your own stem cells and uh, and they were coming with ideas and but the ideas were so off you know they were showing <laughs> like young people like dancing partying you know just recovering after drink you know and i <laughs> partying and, and I'm, I'm because recovery for them is that, you know, yeah. and at some point I stopped and I said, who here, like an average age of about 22. Okay. In the room. So I say, who here has ever got up in the morning thinking about their health. And they're looking at me like, this is such a bizarre question to them. <laughs> and I'm telling them the product that we're talking about here is for the people who every day in their life, they get up and they're reminded that something is going down in their health. Yeah, exactly.
0: From that point on, exactly.
1: <laughs> that means you have lost that balance and now your body starts to have every day of your life, a small accumulation of unrepaired daily damages. It's that simple.
0: Yeah exactly and that's most of us unfortunately now yeah, <laughs> certainly point. the ones listening to this um, <laughs> and, and this is where stem cells so you um, have been in the research for the last 20 years really developing things that can help these stem cells get more into circulation so releasing stem cells from the bone marrow to put it straight. Um, now my first question was well are we going to run out of stem cells because we're we're running out of this bone marrow, this this uh, red bone marrow? And if I've got say 150 million stem cells or some crazy number of stem cells in there, but I'm releasing more through supplementation, am I going to run out? That was a a question that that sort of jumped into my mind from the get go. Um, I, I, I know the answer to it, but I I still I'm trying to understand the mechanism of it. Why well, I think is it that- not quite
1: right? Yeah. Think of it like I just said, you know, like a self-generating income in terms of bank accounts. So that means these stems, how can I explain this? It's not an easy concept to explain, but it's it's a simple concept. Your red marrow that you have always produce at the same level. It's just that it shrinks. So that means the number that are put out into the blood circulation uh, is going to reduce over time. But the red marrow that, that is remaining is just producing. And it's producing like a well. You know, when you have a well, if you take a bucket, uh, you have the same level. If you take 10 buckets, you have the same level. Take a 1,000 buckets, it fills back up to that level. Your bone marrow functions like this. Wow. It just When a cell is released from the bone marrow, it divides and it leaves a sister cell in the bone marrow. So if you have 150 million stem cells and you release, let's say, 10 million, you don't have 140 in your bone marrow. You're still at 150. The, 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 Your, ma- the bone marrow maintains, yes, yeah, it maintains it's, keeping, its homeostasis.
0: And it has telomerase from what I understand. So in, in, in these stem cells, which keeps it. So they, are these cells are mortal cells. Like are they, they're not going to, um, the telomerase doesn't shorten over time with every Correct. replication.
1: Correct. The, 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 the characteristic of a stem cell, a full-blown stem cells in the bone marrow is that it has telomerase. So so it maintains the telomeres. If that was not the case, we would not be alive past, I don't know, 5, 10 years old. Uh, We need to understand we are alive today because we have stem cells. These cells are are immortal in the bone marrow because they have telomerase. And that's the phenomenon that happens when the stem cell is released from the bone marrow and it gets into the tissue. And now that one stem cell will multiply and will become many thousand tissue cells that that process of cell division, oh. as that happens, telomerase gets uh, gets uh, uh, inhibited, if you want, repressed. The expression of telomerase is repressed in that cells, yeah. and now that cell lose loses its stemness. Yeah. so I say that cell you know as, as it 's dividing, it becomes sort of a shorter
0: and yeah. shorter telomer- well telomer- a, a, telomerase.
1: a family of cells if you want they yeah. lose telomerase, and now, as they go through this process of cellular division uh it is it was called the AFLIC limit, documented first yeah. by. Scientists call AFLIC, which says that you will reach about 50 generations and then you run out of these telomeres. And yes. now you, you are now a senescent cells and that cell, you know, it's normal life process is to trigger apoptosis and take itself out of your cell pool.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the the things we talk about on the show quite a lot is autophagy and how to you know <laughs> get rid of that recycling and up upregulate that and. Um, and in, in, you know, in that
1: context, Lisa, of what you just said, I think it's important to, to your listeners. In the context of what you just said, you know, autophagy, senolytics, uh, NMN, mitochondrial function, antioxidants—all of these are all aimed at supporting the function of existing cells, gotcha. trying to make yeah. them work yeah. the best. When you release stem cells, you bring new cells. Wow. So, you, yeah. so so in a way, it's just like, wait a minute. Like I'm, I'm, oftentimes, I'm using this analogy, which is a silly analogy, but it gives a picture. Let's say your body is a soccer team. Okay, If you've got uh, a bunch of players that are above 50, do you want to make them continue to play until 60? Or do you want to replace, ben, replace them by a 15-year-old? <laughs> yeah, yeah, And that's a little bit the context. Yes, let's try to keep ourselves healthy, but... The greatest function of your organs is not going to happen by keeping the old cells a little bit longer. I think it's much better by kicking them out and replacing them by new cells. And that's what we're talking here about with stem cells and putting more stem cells in circulation.
0: This is a mind blowing concept because then my mind goes to, well, then, you know, with all that, I don't know how much we're up to now, the 12th or 13th hallmarks of aging, um, does it hit all of them then? If we, if we, if we, you know, say that stem cells are the repair system in the body, and when we release new stem cells, these become the new cells of the body, and we're getting rid of the problems of of you know the lack of NAD and the <laughs> um, the misfolding of proteins, and all of these things. The Hayflick limit are all of these things sort of wiped out of the way in in in, in yeah. some respect, because we're attacking all hallmarks of aging. Or is is it some hallmarks still independent of the stem cell? I think that's probably we probably don't know the answer to that 100%. Well,
1: some of them are. Let me try to go through this maybe uh, through a different angle. So one of these hallmarks of aging is stem cell depletion. Um, and I think that there's a big misunderstanding because of the confusion of the word depletion, like depletion of what and, and where. And because that is not clearly defined, it leads many people to understand, well, you deplete your bone marrow, so you run out. And and it's not what it is. Depletion means two things. Depletion means depletion of stem cells in your tissue because each and every single organ of the body as its own stem cells, cardiac stem cells, skin stem cells, liver stem cells. They're all there. Some of them had been identified before um, the discovery of what we know to do of stem cells, like satellite cells and muscles. They are muscle stem cells, oval cells in the liver. They are liver stem cells. And then we know brain stem cells, all tissue has its own stem cells. But if a tissue is undergoing some sort of stress or degenerative process, it consumes the local layer of stem cells faster than normal, and it can deplete those tissue stem cells. When the tissue stem cells are depleted, that tissue no longer has the ability to repair itself. Then the problem becomes acute. Then you have the disease associated with that tissue. Example, colitis, Crohn's disease, all of these, irritable bowel syndrome, those kinds of issues, your stem cells in your gut renew your cells renew every five days, lining, very quick. It is, and it is so dependent on the layer of stem cells in the gut. Once you've depleted that, you have the acute experience of the problem, the cramping, the pain, all of that is leaky gut, all of that is there. If you put more stem cells in circulation and you replenish that layer of stem cells, you have an amazing impact. You have not changed the disease, but you have brought back function. Of that to that organ, so so quality of life can be immensely increased. That's depletion of the tissue. You don't have depletion in the bone marrow. You ah. have shortening of the red marrow, conversion to yellow marrow. It is a reduction of your pool of stem cells, but it is not a depletion in the sense you never run out.
0: So, so, so this, and can I interrupt you just briefly because mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about when they did a big study where they looked at. Um, I think it was heart patients, but they looked at um, the number of stem cells that were in circulation. And I think even was with multiple different disease models, they found that everybody that had these diseases, heart disease, diabetes, uh, all of these um, major diseases, they actually found that there were less stem cells in circulation. And that was the problem. That when you there was a there was a there was a correlation there between the stem cells being low and the disease manifesting itself. Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits, we've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information. Uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to Com. That's Com, and check it all out
1: correct this is this is um a concept i published this in 2013 it also went unnoticed in the scientific <laughs> i'm sure but it came from um let's talk about this because i think it's fascinating it's an idea so i'm in 2001 i have uh A concept that I think, like honestly, me myself, very naive. I'm thinking, man, we're putting an end to disease. That was my level of excitement when I when I discovered all these things. And then I have a product that puts more stem cells in circulation. I'm thinking we have something magical, but I don't know. This is just an idea. So I shipped some of the product to a friend of mine in France, uh, who was a naturopathic doctor who was seeing patients that uh, their doctor told them, "There's nothing else I can do for you." You know, medicine cannot help you more. So they were to me, I looked at them as like, these are like the best cases for me to try, see if that means anything. And and we got really good results. But among these cases, there was a little girl with spinal myopathy. She had never walked. She had never stood up. She was crawling some on the ground, and uh, the doctor had told the mom she would never do better. She, from From now on, it, it's only going to decline. So the mother asked me, uh, can I give the product to, to, to my daughter? And uh, I told her, it's not really going to help because you're releasing stem cells with the same genetic defect. She had two ants uh, completely paralyzed, so it's not going to help. Uh, but she gave her daughter the product anyway. Three weeks later, I get an email Her daughter, for the first time, stood up. Three weeks later, she started to walk. And then I get an email. Two months later, she's in school. There is, like, we have not changed anything to the disease. How do I explain this? The only way that I can explain it is that the disease make the faster degeneration of nerve cells. But if you can replenish these cells faster, or at least as fast as they're lost then you you restore functionality. So that concept of that bank account that I told you came from that case where health now is no longer you reach peak health at 25 and then you slowly start to decline. No, it's actually a balance all your life since the day you're born. Balance between the rate of cellular loss and your ability to replace what is being lost.
0: And this little girl was faster than she was biking in her case.
1: Correct. So if that is true, my thought was, There's one way to test that scientifically, go and count the number of stem cells in people who have developed any kind of age related diseases, because that balance means that there's a point in life when people don't have enough stem cells to offset cellular loss. And those who happen to be on the lower end of of stem cells, they will develop the problem faster. So if you look at people who have developed these diseases, go and count how many stem cells you have in their bloodstream. And now there's about 50 of those studies done. So diabetes, erectile dysfunction, atherosclerosis, hypertension, the, uh, long, um, long disease, COPD, liver failure, kidney failure, Parkinson, Alzheimer's, lupus, arthritis. I mean, the list keeps wow. going. Dystrophy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The list keeps growing. All the people who have developed the problems all have or less of the number of stem cells that you find in a healthy person of the same age. Wow. So when you passed 40, let's say, how many stem cells you have in your blood circulation every day, I believe is the most potent determinant of how healthy you will be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. So my mission right now is to do, a, it's my, my next book, is to do a meta-analysis of all the data in the scientific literature to be able to establish what is the number of stem cells in circulation under which you know that you are at risk to develop a problem and knowing your lifestyle, your past injury, family history, you know what is the weak spot in your body. That's where the problem will show up down the road. Yep. If you put more stem cells in circulation every day, you help your body to repair better these unrepaired damages, so the accumulation of it will not show up. You know, five to ten, fifteen years down the road. Is that yeah. simple?
0: Yeah, and, and then when the, my mind then goes to, um, we, we can we can show this in lifestyle interventions because there are certain lifestyle interventions that are uh, going to sort of help with the stem cell release too, you know, besides the uh, stem regen product and, and the, you know, the blue-green algae right. and the other uh, things that we are, we are going to discuss in a minute. But if, if we um, just briefly touch on some of the lifestyle interventions, things that actually help stem cells be produced and, and and just by understanding this mechanism, we can see that if we can produce more stem cells, we're going yeah. to be better off. So one of these is exercise and training and not training like going for a walk in the park, but really, you know, damaging yourself. <laughs> training. Your, your, your kind of training. My time of training. <laughs> That's why I'm so young. I'm actually 80. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what, what you're talking about is indeed, uh, it's, it, I, it's one of my main interests in terms of research. But let me start with the conclusion, because as we do more and more research in that area, I am fascinated by this sort of a um, very simple conclusion. Like when I express it, it, it almost looks like too simple, but it's amazingly strong. It's the fact that I believe stem cells are the absolute core of human health. There's a lot of other things that you can do. But at the end, the common denominator is how many stem cells you have in your blood and how effective are they to migrate in various tissue and do their job. So, and and I'm saying this because when we look at many things that are good for health, and now you look at their effect on stem cells, they're all directly supporting stem cells. Many of the things that we know are not good for health, You look at stem cells, they're inhibiting stem cells. I find it fascinating that suddenly stem cells seems to be the common denominator. Everything good is tied to it. Everything negative is also tied to it uh, in a positive or negative way. So let's go through them. Exercise. You mentioned the first one, strong exercise. I believe that the 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 mechanism of action here is simply that when you work really hard, you trigger uh, you, you trigger many types of micro lesions and it's injuries. So basically your body signals for stem cells for repair. So that is the first one. So strong exercise that creates some level of of tissue damage. Then fasting, fasting for more than three days. I am not saying that intermittent fasting is not doing it, but uh, to my knowledge, there's no documentation that it does it. And I don't think that it is enough of a stressor to the body to trigger that kind of response. So, but so far documented water fast for more than three days. We know that uh, production of melatonin will support uh, in deep sleep will support the ability of stem cells to migrate in the brain but also brain stem cells to also migrate within the brain so brain repair is supported by deep sleep partly through its effect on stem cells Uh, these are on the positive sides now if we flip on the negative side we know that stress for example is very bad for stem cells if and that was shown in in a study using mice If you put a mouse in a pool, and then it creates stress, and you take a blood sample before and after the pool experience, and now you test the ability of these stem cells to migrate to the use of migration chamber, how they can migrate and multiply, the the ability to migrate and multiply is suppressed significantly after exposure to stress. Hmm. Now, if you take the same mice and you remove the adrenal glands, then that means they won't produce cortisol. So they won't produce the the, the, the they w- they will still experience the stress, but they won't secrete stress hormones. The stem cells are not affected. So adrenaline so and cortisol
0: inhibit stem cell. Yep.
1: Remember? So now think about our lives in mo- in modern world. Who do you know who is not exposed to some level of stress for what? Nobody. Nobody. does it. not exist. <laughs> well, <laughs> and and, oh. and what, what I find fascinating is. All throughout the scientific literature, it's a it's a it's a field of study that actually I w- I started to be interested in this in my teens, called at the time psychoneuroimmunology. So yes, all yes. the link between stress, emotions, and a slew of degenerative disease. We can almost say that every known degenerative disease is associated somewhere to stress in the scientific literature. And now we find that stress suppresses the ability of stem cells. To do their work. And we know that fewer stem cells or lesser stem cell function is also a shade associated with age related disease. So, is the cause of age related disease because long term exposure to stress shuts down every day of our lives the natural innate ability of the body to repair through stem cells? Can I Open ask you system.
0: just briefly there? Um, but, but, you know, like when, when the mouse is put into the, into the water and has to swim, that is a he's. he's um, you like when you do exercise, you are causing a stressor as well. So, you know, like there's this, or when you are fasting, your cortisol levels go up. Um, So is there a a, a sweet spot? Is a hermetic stress okay? A chronic stress? No. I mean, I don't know if we know the answer. I don't
1: know if I can answer that from that study. I would say there are different stress in the sense that when you create yourself a stress upon yourself, it's a different stress than when it is imposed upon you and you have no control over it. Yep. So, so I don't know if they are the same. The fact that you yeah. release stem cells during a fast, I would assume that they are different types of stressors.
0: Yeah. And because cortisol does go up when the intermittent, you know, you do intermittent fasting, even you, your cortisol levels can can rise. Uh, but if things adjust, it's like when you go and have a sauna. And sauna is one of the questions I had too. Does sauna help with stem cell release? Because it helps with BDNF and human growth hormone. My mind goes to mm, quite likely stem cell release and sauna. I don't know. Um, but, you, you know, there's this fine balance between all the hematic stresses, probably cold exposure would be another one that we could discuss. Uh, and I'm sitting in a hyperbaric oxygen therapy clinic and I know that hyperbaric oxygen, one of its main mechanisms of action is the stem cell proliferation uh, yeah. aspect of it. And so we were talking before this about the possibility that hyperbaric oxygen therapy combined with stem regen, your product that actually helps you release the, the stem cells, would be a beautiful combination and maybe red light yeah. therapy as well. I don't know. Um yeah what what's your take on that on, on the synergy of some of the therapies together so my mind goes to hyperbaric obviously but also things like sauna but also things like peptides um are we uh, you're probably too early in the in the research to make connections there and see any results with you know um, i'm always a multi-pronged person like i'm always looking at How do I I attack this problem on 10 different fronts rather than one at a time sort of thing? So the synergy of things.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, of those that you mentioned here, hyperbaric chamber, I see an enormous synergy in the sense that, hyperbaric chamber has been seen to put more stem cells in circulation, but mostly through a different mechanism than, than normally molecules that are known to trigger the release of stem cells from the bone marrow. Because stem cells, there is their ability to reside in the bone marrow, to attach to the bone marrow matrix. And if you interfere with that, then they detach and they end up in the bloodstream. But if you start to produce to trigger their multiplication in the bone marrow as they proliferate, they oh. overcrowd the bone marrow and they are released more by overcrowding. So ah. that's the mechanism of action of, of hyperbaric chamber. It is by stimulation of the proliferation of stem cells in the bone marrow. Now, if you combine both, meaning you put more in the bone marrow and then you support their release from the bone marrow uh, with stem regen, then you got an enormous an enormous synergy. Oh, yeah. The only... Wow. I mean, it would be, I know of no studies so far Mm -hmm. that has been done on this, but it would be, I mean, it's not a simple thing to study because somewhere... The outcome of hyperbaric chamber is very. Uh, I mean, everybody has their own experience out of it. So, how do you have a control for that? So, yeah. it would not be simple to study it. But I would suspect that there's definitely uh, a synergy there yeah. uh, when you I'm doing about-
0: an in of one with me and mum with stem and, and the
1: hyperbaric. So I'll let you know how we go. There you go. Well, it's good for you because you have a good a good background. You know, having done so many things for your health, you have a good background of how your body responds. So you have done hyperbaric chamber. So you'll be able to see. So I'm looking forward to see what yeah, is your if mom starts
0: running marathons next week. There you go. Ice? There you go.
1: Well, if you can't <laughs> catch up with her, then that will be an amazing story.
0: And <laughs> <If> she just <laughs> walks straight, that would be great, you
1: know? <laughs> so, and then you talk peptides. This is another area that, uh, that is very interesting. I have not started to really do any research with it, but for many years, the question was, People sometimes take stem regen and you release stem cells, but how do you help stem cells to go exactly where I want them to go? Like I want them in my knee. They won't go to your knee necessarily. They will go where they're called. So so when you release them, you don't have to worry. Your stem cell, you are releasing them and they will go and repair in your body. If they did not, you would not be alive today. So they do their job, but are they going to do the job that your mind wants them to do? That's a different story.
0: So there are ways
1: of stimulating... Yeah, the repair process in various organs and tissues. So red lights is one of them. The red lights applied locally, for example, where you drive uh, greater blood circulation in one area of the body. Peptides are going to specifically support the repair of, of certain tissues while you release stem cells. I see I see an amazing synergy. synergy yeah. Wow.
0: Right. I, I, I mean, I do red light. I have red light in my clinic and I also do peptides. And, um, you know, so... So, yeah, my mind is going to in that direction when you put these things together and you can direct it into that because, yeah, it, it, the person who comes to me with a shoulder injury, he wants it to go to the shoulder, but maybe the hierarchy of needs in the body is such that the brain was actually – he didn't know, but the brain was – Impaired, or the heart was impaired, and that got first dibs. Really, do we yes. know how the body uh, does prioritize uh, the the need for stem cells? And in the the other question was the actual the transport or the the what was the word that you use um, the migration of the stem cells actually into the tissues is also a factor here. It's not just that they're running around in the blood, but they actually have to get into the tissue and actually integrate with that. Because there was a study done on pigs, I think, in hearts or or it was a heart study, uh no, it was a human heart study, I think, where they injected stem cells near the heart in order to make it into heart stem cells. But what they found was that they you put it anywhere and it will go to where it's needed. But is there any right. way to sort of measure that like or, or yeah, push it into the right direction? I mean, yeah, the red light maybe in the, the exercise. Well,
1: I will first answer by a very silly answer, but it will give you really the answer to your question. When you were a kid and you broke a bone or you had a cut, did it repair or not?
0: Yeah. yeah, it
1: repaired. So stem cells found the way where to go. That's how they work. They are attracted by an injury. The injury that produces pain, that produces inflammation, also produces call for stem cells. It's part of the signaling. This, that it, it's that, not the
0: inflammation signals. It's something else?
1: It is part of the inflammatory signal, but it's one specific molecule that is not an inflammatory molecule itself, uh-huh. but it's part of the molecule that are released. It's called stromal-derived factor one. Uh-huh. So your stem cell... So here's what happens. You get an injury the injury will release granulocyte colony stimulating factor. Within a few hours of the injury, you can measure it in the blood. That molecule, when it reaches the bone marrow, triggers the release of stem cells from the bone marrow. It's very well known in medicine. If we want to collect stem cells from somebody, they inject GCSF before to increase the number to be able to collect them in the blood. Wow. So when the number of stem cells start to increase in the bloodstream, the affected area of the body now start to release another compound, which is SDF one, Stromal derived Factor one. That molecule will diffuse very locally in the blood in, in in the in the fine capillaries in the area of the affected tissue. So when stem cells circulate in that capillary and and the molecule of SDF1 is there, it connects with a specific receptor at the surface of the stem cell. And that connection immediately triggers the expression of adhesion molecule that will make the stem cell stop and cling to to the capillary. Now, if the signal keeps coming, and you keep having that connection with the receptor, then the whole chain of event is triggered. These adhesion molecules, then the cell will release enzymes that will digest the attachment between two cells of the capillary wall. It makes a hole. Then a new set of adhesion molecules are secreted where the cells start to send a part of itself through that hole and then passes all of its content on the other side. When it lands into the tissue, it now secretes another round of of adhesion molecule that will connect specifically to hyaluronic acid, the soft skeleton of that tissue. So now the stem cell will walk and it's it's almost like legs that you shed and the leg are produced in the direction where the signal is coming. So you end up having the cell moving slowly toward the site of the injury. When it gets close to the injury, there are cellular debris from that tissue that are there. They basically touch receptor on the cell that sends a signal to the nucleus. And now that cell starts to express the DNA that codes for that cell being a heart cell or a brain cell or a skin cell, whatever is that tissue. And now the cell will start to morph into a cell of that tissue, repairing that
0: Well, and you've done studies, I've seen lectures where you showed this graphically with the, you know, big slides where, you know, you've um, had fluorescent cells that have been injected and you'll be able to follow them around the body and seen that they've deposited themselves all through whatever system needed it. And so this migration, this walking of the cells towards the damaged area has to occur is... Do the do the inflammatory signals cause a problem and and stop sometimes the cells getting the stem cells getting to their to their goal? Like if there's a lot of inflammation, if there's a lot of ongoing inflammation, like a lot of us are dealing with chronic inflammation or ongoing, you know, the cell danger response, all of that sort of thing, is that going to stop these cells actually maybe getting to where they're needed? Does anyone know
1: that? Yes, yes and no, but, but the answer is yes. When I say yes, uh, I need to go a little bit more in science, a little bit. Um, in your entire blood vasculature, so you got arteries, arterioles, fine capillaries, then the capillaries turn into a small vein, and then it goes back into the main, and it circulates like this. The, the only place in this entire plumbing where stem cells can leave the blood and go into the tissue is the junction between the capillary and the vein. It's called the post capillary venule. In that area, something very unique is happening. It's that your capillaries are surrounded by muscles that allow contraction and, and, and expansion, dilation, and the veins, the small veins do not have that. So that means what happens when you come from a system that has high pressure or more pressure to a system that is low pressure. Just think of a river that comes and gushes into a calm lake. At the entrance there, you get turbulence, whirlwind. You get all, all of, uh, you, you get turbulence. That's the signal for a stem cell to listen. So, receptors are expressed. I'm listening. Am I seeing SDF one, the molecule that trigger migration? No, I get carried away by by the blood circulation. So, right at that moment, it's the place where stem cells listen to tissues. Right. So if if i trigger inflammation in an area that makes the sdf1 the molecule that that triggers the migration diffuse and start to be because it's produced constantly in an area that has a long term injury so that signal becomes more diffuse uh-huh. so if that connection happens outside of the post capillary venue that stem cell will express its adhesion molecule will not have any place to connect because it's not into a very small Sorry, capillary Steve. Now it has lost these adhesion molecule, that's it. Now that stem cells for a while can no longer stop in the flow and migrate. Wow. So it's there in the bloodstream, but it has it, it no longer has the ability to reach the tissue. It's carried out in the, in the blood flow. It's still in your blood flow, unable to migrate. So mm-hmm. chronic systemic inflammation is associated with a reduction in the ability of stem cells to migrate into tissues. So that's that's a first answer. The other answer, although, which is, I think, the positive side is that the first thing that the stem cell will do in a tissue is to suppress inflammation. You Mm -hmm. cannot repair with inflammation. Inflammation maintains damage. So the first thing that a stem cell does when it enters into an injured tissue is to secrete compounds that is going to suppress the inflammation. And that is why, for example, during COVID, when people died not of COVID, but they died of the 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 cytokine, over, storm, the, yeah. the cytokine storm, which is sort of an exaggerated response of your own immune system. Yeah. Well, stem cell goes there, it basically calms down the cytokine storm And now you repair your tissue very normally. So you have people, these studies were done in the US, in China, in South America, where you just inject stem cells or you release people's stem cells and they are in ICU for days, you know, and they don't know how to and uh, what they can do with these patients. And within a day or two, they return home and they're feeling much better. So it's just an example. So that's what stem cells will do. They migrate into a tissue. The first thing that they do is to suppress inflammation. So they are almost like your best anti-inflammatory uh, aspect of your body, but locally, not systemic. It yeah. doesn't work like an anti-inflammatory compound. It looks yeah. microscopically at the site of the micro lesion. Uh, and if so, there's
0: that STF one, that adhesive mo- molecule is not present when it comes to that ve- venule, venule um, uh-huh. cap- Yeah. Um, then, so it, it, can you support? The stem cell migration by taking things like uh, resveratrol, other polyphenols, yes. curcuma, curcumin, um, yes. all these anti inflammatories that will help that stop that chronic diffusing of that sdf one sdf one molecule. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it will three. play a role in diffusion or production of it. I don't know if it will play at that level, level, but resveratrol has been documented to facilitate migration, but but more importantly, the multiplication of stem cells into the tissues. So a lot of these will help. But, But yeah, curcumin, anything that will suppress systemic inflammation will improve the ability of stem cells to identify where to migrate and to effectively migrate into these tissues.
0: Wow, this is just absolutely this is this is fabulous because you know I, I do all of those things with mum mum's case for example mm-hmm. you know she's on respiratory and all these sorts of things and then you put the stem cells in and then you put the hyperbaric which is also attacking the inflammation and then you do the red the red light therapy and yeah. you, you know you, you're putting all of these elements together to help the body. And what I love about this is it's all the body's own natural processes that you're just supporting rather right. than coming in with a medication, a pharmaceutical that pushes on one pathway, uh to often the detriment of other pathways. Um so, so it's supporting that whole base level, coming back down to that sort of cellular health level, um, really, really uh important. So I, I had a, a couple of questions also. Um with cancer, I work with a lot of cancer patients. Um, has any research been done into the safety profile of stem regen or other you, you, your, your stem your stem cell releasing um, molecules uh, with cancer patients? You know, the obviously one would be like leukemia patients with stem cell release, but also others. Is there any any uh, research into that or, or, because like with, with cancer a lot of the things that are positive for a healthy person you have to pull out when you're in an acute cancer phase you know things like n cysteine or glutathione or um, some of the other uh, molecules that would be beneficial for most people but you don't put them into a cancer mm-hmm. patient. Is there any sort of research in that, de- in that department?
1: There's not. Let me tell you here what I know about it and I, I want to make clear that I'm not making a claim here no. that, that this None can be answered. <laughs> so no claim in that nature, but let me share with you what I know what we have done to answer that question. Yeah. Um, first, let's talk about why, there's oftentimes a confusion um, or, or a connection to say, well, if I do something for stem cells, then I'm, I may very well support cancer. And, and it comes from the fact that what is a stem cell? A stem cell is a cell that multiplies endlessly and can transform into cell of various tissues. Mm. And a tumor cell is a cell that multiplies endlessly and can become cells of other tissues. It's the same definition. Mm. They do the same thing. One is regulated by the AFLIC limit, telomerase. The other one is dysregulated. It's, it's, it's dysfunctional, yeah. and it's stuck in a yeah. process of proliferation. They're very yeah. different physiologically, though they have a similar behavior. For that reason, those dysregulated cells, cancer cells, were called cancer stem cells. And it makes an amalgam here that creates a lot of confusion. They're mm. very different in their behavior. But when we develop our first ingredient uh, to support stem cell, this blue-green algae extract, we wanted to have an answer to that question. So we did a a mouse model using uh, human breast cancer cells that we injected in in mice, and then we had two groups, a control group and another group in which we gave 10 times the recommended amount of this blue-green algae extract, uh, just to see if we're going to stimulate uh, tumor growth. Uh, we would have expect either nothing or maybe a stimulation but i knew in the back of my mind that we had a third option because we had already by then heard so many cases of people who had benefits with cancer, So, and that's what we found. The study basically showed that after six weeks, we had a 30% reduction in breast tumor in that model. The study was not done to investigate anti-cancer properties. It was done to investigate whether we would support tumor growth. So I'm not making any claim here, no, but that's the outcome of, of the it. study. Yep. But over the years, we have had so many of these cases that have been reported. And not only this, when I travel, I don't do that specific approach of stem cell injection, but I, I, I have many colleagues in the world that do stem cell injection. Mm-hmm. And we, they have all observed this. Somebody comes for a stem cell injection for, let's say, diabetes, stroke, whatever. And they happen to have breast cancer, prostate cancer. And then six weeks later, uh, maybe nothing has happened in the diabetes or the stroke, but, but the cancer is doing much better. So that observation of the link between stem cells and their effect on tumor formation, not tumor formation, tumor development has been pretty generalized. And I believe that the mechanism of action is to understand that a stem cell is a little bit like an ant. Uh, one ant is completely irrelevant. It's it's a whole ant nest that means something. It's a population. One stem cell is completely irrelevant. If one stem cell goes in the heart and becomes one heart cell, you haven't done anything to your heart with one addition cell. But if that stem cell becomes 5,000 heart cells and you you have a million stem cells migrating in your heart, well, that's 5 billion cells that you've added to your heart. Now you start to have an impact. So, Proliferation is super important. When stem cells proliferate, if I have a a test tube in which I have stem cells and I trigger their proliferation, if I have quiescent stem cells in another test tube and I take the liquid in that test tube and put it into that one, I will stimulate the proliferation of these stem cells. Stem cells talk to each other through exosomes. So they coordinate their proliferation. And when they start to differentiate they also coordinate their differentiation. So what happens when an exosome or a growth factors that is stimulated, stimulating differentiation connects with a tumor cell stuck in proliferation? It differentiates. A cell cannot proliferate and differentiate. So now you basically stop tumor growth. And this whole concept, this whole understanding came when I was working with a researcher a research team and they had they had stumbled on something fascinating. They were they had found the, the the growth factor that made a stem cell transform into a skin cell and they applied that on the melanoma. And within a matter of three weeks it was gone. It just basically made the tumor cell transform into skin cells and that was the end of that proliferation. So and the last element that is also fascinating in all of this is that the plants that I have studied over the years that have an effect on stem cells, the one that we find, for example, in stem regen. So uh, sea torn berry from the Tibetan plateau, known and used in traditional Chinese medicine, Tibetan medicine, Mongolian medicine for lung cancer and cancer of other tissues. Ginseng, the same. Aloe, the same. Blue green algae, the same. Uh, on the same. It's like all the plants that have been known historically, or we have shown support the release of stem cells from the bone marrow happens to have been used historically for cancer. So it's wow. almost across the board. The answer is no, there's absolutely no problem. The stem cell that you release from your own bone marrow will not participate to tumor development or tumor promotion.
0: Wow. That, that, that's, that's fantastic. That is amazing. And, and, in- you know, we if we look now at some of the molecules that you've actually got in stem regenial product, um, and this has obviously been twenty years in the making. Um, and you started off with the blue green algae, and then there's some beautiful stories that I've heard you tell about one of the researchers in Madagascar who mm. found aloe macroplata. I want to find macroplata. I can't say that one. Tell us a couple of those stories about how you came across these, because you were looking specifically at the traditional medicines of the world for things that fixed everything (laughs) and had no explanation as to why they fixed everything. And, and, and and usually science runs from that because they want one thing that it does, but you actually dug deeper and went, well, if it's doing that, it can only be because of stem cells somewhere in the, in that process. Was that your sort of thinking behind that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, from a, from a, 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 perspective of scientific investigation if you want if i reach a conclusion and i believe in it then i look at what's next you know so if i'm really convinced that stem cells are the repair system of the body we cannot have evolved in symbiosis with this environment and only have one plant that has an effect on stem cells there has to be other plants so how do you find them you ask the very simple question what else is known to have been associated historically to a broad variety of benefits or longevity? So medicinal mushroom, goji berries, uh, and to a large extent, the so-called adaptogens, you know, those moly- those compounds, those plants that are good for many things, but we don't really know what they're doing. Uh, well, let's look at them because that's the definition of what I'm working with. A stem cell mobilizer will bring many benefits. So I started to study a lot of these plants and they basically all, almost all have an effect on stem themselves wow and then the next round was to go into remote areas of the world. Like, let's say you go to Madagascar. That is not part of, generally speaking, of the global economy. They don't have goji berry and Jensen in Madagascar. They have other things, though, that they use there for many kinds of health benefits. So I came across a pharmacist. She was traveling into many areas of the world, Papua New Guinea, Africa, South America, in Madagascar. And I asked her, she was looking for plants for Parkinson and Alzheimer's, for, for pharmacists. And I asked her, have you come across a plant that the local healers are telling you, use this, it's good for everything So she said, nothing is good for everything And so I gave her a copy of my book and I said, I'm not looking for something that is good for everything I'm looking for something that is good for one thing, releasing your stem cells But experientially in folks' medicine, it would have been associated to many kinds of benefits So she started to really think about it and she said, well, it's interesting She says, yes, yes during her last trip to Madagascar, on the way back to the airport, her guide and translator stopped at a market and scooped a whole bag of black beads. They looked like black, like, uh, like tapioca, and uh, put that in the bag and say, test that. But you tell a scientist, test that. What does that mean? Like, you test it for what?
0: what? So,
1: as any good scientist, you put it in the freezer and it was there for five years because you don't know what to test it for. Uh, so, she sent me a samples of these beads and um, and I consumed them because that's what we do in the lab. You know, we are the first guinea pig. So, we take a blood sample, we take them and then we take another blood sample an hour, two hours, three hours later and we count the number of stem cells wow. and we found the strongest response that we have seen so far. So, because it was a remedy already available. I, in those things, I'm a little bit, I guess maybe I'm a little, little bit of a cowboy when when these things happen. Like, I don't think I even asked what it was. I mean, if it is in Madagascar for centuries, I'm going to try Okay, it. So I asked, what is it? And then, so it is, so you're in Madagascar with 60 different species of aloe, and only one of them is used to make that remedy that is called Vahona in Madagascar. So it, it is alo macroclada. So we went there and we developed. Actually, I did not develop. It, it was done in collaboration with a, a good colleague of mine now in Madagascar, John. So he is he relo- a biochemist with pharma uh, who was working with that pharmacist, and he quit his job, relocated to Madagascar, and <laughs> developed a co-op of because the product was not available into large harvest. So developed a co-op of farmers um, to go and harvest the plant because. As Westerners, it's a plan that is protected in Madagascar, so we can't touch it. Uh And I don't think we had an interest in touching it, so we... We developed a co-op of harvesters, and so they bring out of the the wild and the mountains around Antananarivo uh, about like five to ten tons of leaves on their head, about about thirty kilos at a time. They walk in their flip flops for hours out of the mountain on these muddy Crazy paths. Story. Unbelievable, unbelievable! And so they bring it to a facility that we develop, and now it's it's one of our main ingredients that we import for stem cells. Uh, I even made a small documentary on it because I'm thinking nobody can believe what it takes to take that bring it, it out from the mountains like this, but it, yeah. it's a fascinating project because yeah. it's tied to the it's tied to the uh, the um, the Convention on Biodiversity and the Nagoya Protocol that that requires uh, re- reciprocity. Because we learn of that the, of that plant through ancestral knowledge, we cannot give a return just to the people doing the job. It goes to the community. So we also have like development of roads, hospitals, schools, and all of nah. that coming. Yeah, the benefits. So, so it's it's a really cool project. So that's one of these ingredients.
0: Send me the doco. I'll put it in the links. So if again, if you've got it.
1: Yeah, I'll <laughs> it to you. Yeah.
0: Actually, you know, I'm in New Zealand where we have Māori medicine and, um, um, just put put on your radar. Um, I, I'd love to invite you down here to do a, a conference, speak at a conference that I'm trying to organize next year. Um, but while you're down here, maybe you can have a look at some of the ingredients Absolutely. that our people have looked at for, for centuries. And I'm certainly not an expert at all in that area, but, you know, there are others, and, um, to, to, you know, further that sort of study that you're doing with traditional, um, molecules like that and you, there are other ones that you had in the mix there as well so you got the afa you've got the lo macroplata you've got the what else have you got in the i have the
1: seabotone berry seabotone berry and that is an interesting one as well because uh both here and while traveling in china uh, i had a chance to speak with three people uh expert in in traditional chinese medicine but biochemist who did study plants and uh so i'm searching for for plants that can support stem cell release. So I asked them the very almost joking question. I said, okay, you're lost on a desert island and there's only one plant that you can bring with you. What would it be? <laughs> and all three told me seabuckthorn Tornberry. I really did not expect that. You know, I don't know. I, Foti is known for longevity, Astragalus, you know, I was, ex- Jinsen, I was expecting one of those. Um, not that I'm an expert in Chinese medicine. I could, there could really be something that I, absolutely did not know about. But Sibukton Berry, I was very surprised. So I went into scientific literature and I discovered a plethora of studies documenting benefits to the lung, lung cancer, to the heart, cardiovascular system diabetes to help repair a burn to the skin uh, broken bones so you see the digestive system Uh, when I was down there and I asked people so how did you use sea buckthorn berry and the man working there was saying oh when I was a kid you know anytime we had digestive problem you know our mom was making us a a juice of sea buckthorn berry so uh, so looking at all these benefits I'm thinking it looks like there's an effect on on stem cells and and one story that is fascinating also is that it's very rare to have a plant that is named according to its benefits. Most of the time, the, the scientific name of a plant is linked to, uh, to the physical characteristics of a plant or our relationship with a plant, but not its health benefit. It's very rare. berry. its scientific name is Phi. Ipo means horse. Fi means light. So it, might, it means shining horse. And it's Alexander the Great in its conquest in northern China, western China, just abandoned a group of horses wounded in battle and just left them to die in a field of seabuck-torn berry. When he came back a few weeks later, he had a herd of healthy, vibrant horse. And a shiny coat is a sign of health for a horse. So they named the berry shiny coat. Oh, and, wow. then, and then they brought back the leaf and the berry to, with them for the warriors, for the soldiers, for their healing. So now Seabuck berry that came from the high plateaus, like the Malayan area, this is where it's coming from, was then spread pretty much worldwide. So you have Seabuck berry now everywhere, but wow. when it grows at high altitude, it has a very unique biochemistry. And so that's where we're getting. We're getting it from the Tibetan plateau. So we did those studies as we did for blue green algae, as we did for allomacroclata in the lab. And we determined that, yeah, it is a very solid stem cell mobilizer.
0: Oh, wow. And and then you've got Fucus, uh, help me out with the other name.
1: Fucus vesiculosis kelp. So that's a simple one. And the reason why we use kelp, because uh, uh, actually kelp was shown in the scientific literature to trigger stem cell release from the bone marrow. But a lot of the work that we did was with Undaria pinatifida, uh, wakame. And uh, so that was also shown to trigger stem cell release from the bone marrow. But the choice that I made to use fucus in stem regen, it's because fucus has one specific uh, benefit as well. Is that there is a there is a seaweed called Eclonia cava that is used in uh, in uh, in in Korea, Japan, and it has been for centuries associated with like let's say old people, I don't know, like 70 years and above. And I know that the closer I'm getting to that, I think it's young. But (laughs) (laughs) let's say past 70s, people are consuming Eclonia Cava uh, for their longevity. And it's been associated with longevity. Like these centenarians, you ask them what they're doing. Well, they're all taking this Eclonia Cava. The main active compound of Eclonia Cava is a type of polyphenol called fluorotannins. Uh, so, and fucus is also a source of fluorotannins. So by making that extract of fucoidon from fucus, we also pull out the fluorotannins. So that, that provides me with an extract that both st- stimulates stem cell release from the bone marrow and brings the benefits of fluorotannins, which also could be stem cell release. It just has not been tested so far. But from the benefits known of Floritanians, I would absolutely not be surprised that it also has an effect on stem cells. The active compound of C. berry are polyphenols as well. So, so it could also be the mechanism of action. I just don't know yet.
0: And the other ones are polysaccharides, aren't they? The, um, and the other we ones have... are the, the active compounds. Are they all polysaccharides or are they polyphenols? No,
1: well, the two others are. Well, polysaccharide. One is growth factor. One is polysaccharide. Um, the thing is that as we're doing the research on these different uh, products, uh, I'm expecting every time that we test one, I'm expecting that I'm going to see stem cell release from the bone marrow. So at some point, we study. Um, let me one second here. The house is getting a little warm. There you go. Maybe yeah, hey, not. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm testing colostrum because I'm working with Dr. Jensen in her lab. uh, And then she has done a study on one unique, highly fractionated colostrum that comes from South Dakota on free range cows. And she told me this product is amazing. What she saw in the lab on the immune system. She's like, I think be an effect on stem cells so we tested on stem cells and then we see this drop this like sudden drop in the number of stem cells in circulation so we're thinking something is wrong with the equipment so we need to clean everything we change the regions we do everything and we test it again and we see the same response and there's a point where we need to and, and honestly i think every single true researcher scientist working in a lab they've all gone through that process where you discover something that is unexpected and at first you think your equipment is wrong yeah. something is wrong with your region and there's a point you have to reach the conclusion there's nothing wrong the response is real and uh, and when we start to dig a little bit more into it we realize that ingredients like that beta glucan from medicinal mushroom goji berry they all they all they all do this They increase the number, the density of the receptor that connects with SDF1, that molecule that is released from Ah, an injured tissue. So So if you you have more receptors, that means stem cells are more efficient to respond to the signal coming from tissue, so they migrate faster, so they disappear from the blood. So the moment we start to document that, that phenomenon, then it, to me, it becomes like a no brainer. If you put stem cells in circulation and they need to migrate into a tissue and you discover a compound that facilitates that mig- migration, well, let's combine them so that we end up with a greater sum in terms of actual impact in the tissue. We don't talk about it scientifically in any of our literature for the simple fact that there's no drug now known or documented to stimulate stem cell migration. So if there's no drug, that means there's no scientific literature documented that process. So I cannot... If I publish, I have no other documentation to compare the response to. So I cannot really have a discussion. So somewhere we need to just dive very deeply into this whole process before being able to publish on that on that phenomenon. And, you know, we're a dietary supplement company. We're not a drug company. I don't have 50 yeah. million. Research. I've got
0: a, a friend who I'm actually having a business meeting with after this, and and he uh, Peter and he he actually said you know we've been talking about your work and and, and twenty odd years ago Peter was in this round biochemist and he was looking at clostrum and actually developed a product back then that was using New Zealand colostrum, so put that on your radar, um, <laughs> uh, and, and found that that was a you know, part of the formulation that he made back then. This is before, yeah. you know, all the stem cells. So it's just a small world. Um, yeah, I bet you two would have a, a, a fabulous conversation, actually.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, stem cells, the, the only thing we discover, honestly, we're not discovering anything new, In well, new, nothing new. We've all, these compounds, like seabuck tornberry. That has been in the Tibetan plateau, Mongolian medicine for more than two thousand years. Yeah, yeah, been doing stem cell release for more than two thousand years. Know that
0: that's what it was so we, doing. We,
1: we're not discovering anything. It's just that now, with the discovery of stem cells, we have means of starting to look in that direction. So when we look at the in that direction, we just lift the cover into this natural phenomenon in the body that we just were unaware of before. Wow. That's all.
0: Actually, on that count, like I'm looking into quite deeply into spermidine um, oh. as one of the the, the the supplements that I have in my range, and looking at actually um, launching something along this lines with spermidine, is that one that you've looked at? Because that is one of the things that hits so many of the pathways. So that, that it would. Be, be connection in my brain, at least, to be looking at, is that one of the things that it does as well? It's, um, you know, extract of, of wheat germ and things like that and aged cheeses and so on. Have you come across spermidine in your travels? Uh,
1: I have a long list of ingredients. That, <laughs> you. I have the funding to do this. I absolutely <laughs> want to look at them. Like, for example, there is one plant prominently mentioned in the Quran, which is Nigella sativa. Which oh, is yeah. black black, black seed? Yeah. yeah, amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am almost convinced that it triggers the release of stem cells from the bone marrow. Mm-hmm. I have not tested it simply because it contains thymoquinone, yeah. uh, and it's it has been documented to be a liver toxin. I I won't say I don't believe it. I I, I just don't think that it's. A problem uh, in the amount that is found you know in, in, in this plant, but it will create problems to register the product internationally. so I have okay. just not put time in there, but yes. that is one black rice, forbidden yes. rice, like the rise of the emperor. How can you have a plant that is used like that, and it doesn't i mean I think it has the same effect. so I have a long list of products permitting live a long them. time. In the list that I would like to really test and see what they're doing. I am sure that we will end up when we have the funds to do all this research, we will end up with not saying there are a few exceptional plants that trigger stem cell release. We will end up with just like a large range of plants that all play some role in the overall role of stem cells in the body. It is the core aspect of your health.
0: Oh, amazing, amazing. I had a couple last questions for you before we wrap up because I, you know, want to be respectful of your time. <laughs> I could talk for hours. You can go. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, one is um, hair hair graying, uh at the bane of us of, of, of many of us. Um, and, and you know, I'm having to start dyeing my hair now. And um, there is um, one of the the things that when you look at the uh, aging processes is 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 you know the stem cell. This is, I don't know the science behind it, but the, this, it, there's something going on with the stem cells and the hair color. Have you okay. come across anything that would show that more stem cells would help with the hair color? And Very is it possible to reverse it, or can you just slow it down or anything like that? So
1: When we launched, uh, this is 2005, the first product, the famous blue-green algae extract, I'm having people talking about how it reversed their air color. You know, they reversed their grain. And honestly, I I told many of them, I said, why do you make up these stories? I said, (laughs) you don't need to make stories like this. The product is good enough on its own. And so one of them was a close friend and and he came to see me, and he says, "No, no, it's real. Let me show you pictures and and i was I was very surprised, so we we contracted with a lab of cosmetology where we gave them the product, and it took pictures on the side and the back of the head to measure the density of white in the hair of people who had started to gray uh, and then so for six months, they quantified the density of white. Uh, every month. And at the end of six months, all of them had a reduction of 20% in, wow. in the density of white in the air. And I was blown away. So and so and then then we came across Foti. So Foti, yes, let's FOTI. tell the story of this because it's <laughs> a fascinating story. So there my book is given to a professor of of, of um, acupuncture uh, that was affiliated with harvard uh but published the first copy was published in 2010 so soon after so she reads the book and as she reads the book then we get in, in, in she gets in contact with me because the description of embryonic stem cells in adult stem cells were identical to how she described the the the, the jing so she was an historian. She learned American, but she learned Chinese to be able to read ancient Chinese medicine. Wow. And her interest was when all in, through their renaissance, uh, the transition between ancient Chinese medicine to what is today known as traditional Chinese medicine, when all of this was collected, uh, was there anything that was lost? And one thing that she found is that there was an ancient Chinese medicine, the jing. It's still present in today's Chinese medicine. It's your vital force. But in ancient Chinese medicine, there were two jings, the primordial jing and then the postnatal jing. The primordial jing was on the day of your conception and it was your primordial life force and your postnatal jing was your vital force after you're born. And the way that they were described was embryonic stem cells and adult stem cells. Wow. And She was amazed by this. So I said, oh. plants are used today to stimulate the gene. She says, there's only two. FOTI release, stimulates the gene. Goji berry circulates the gene. So we go into the lab, we test FOTI. FOTI triggers the release of stem cells from the bone marrow. Wow. We test Goji berry, and that's when we saw the decrease. So. They migrate in the tissue. They called it circulate. So I was amazed of how scientifically we could connect the dots and say ancient Chinese medicine had already described the life force of what is stem cells without connecting without
0: them. Without and without the and vernacular.
1: Yeah. And FOTI is, is utilized in China to reva- reverse your air color.
0: Yeah. So now
1: <laughs> I started to look at what is the effect. So. Aloe is used in Madagascar to reverse your air color. So that one is like emerging in folks' medicine. It's almost like any time we have a plant that is shown to have or has an effect on stem cells, one of its characteristics in folks' medicine is that it helps reverse air color. Uh, So and I think the mechanism of action, as you just described, is that. Air, the color of the air is, is, is related to the presence in the scalp of melanocyte stem cells that will develop into melanocytes that are going to make the pigments of the hair. So once they're depleted, you don't have the ability to make the pigments. Now, stem cells can migrate in every tissue, but the reason why it's not working for everybody, it's just that if a stem cell migrates in the scalp, it it will in the environment of the scalp detect that it's the scalp, and it's very likely to produce air melanocyte stem cells or air follicles, you know, to help air growth. But honestly, in your survival, how relevant it is, is it? Yeah. Lower your natural the hierarchy. Color. It's yeah. not only low, it's absolutely irrelevant. Your air color is irrelevant to your survival. Yeah. So I don't think the body prioritizes it. So we have these interesting cases that are coming, you know, that are telling these stories. But I just don't think it's happening massively because it's not, it has nothing to do with, with health. Now, if somebody would like to really stimulate it, then I would say use something like needling on the scalp you yep. trigger an injury to the scalp, you will drive stem cells in that area. When stem cells penetrate the scalp, they will become the cells of that environment, which includes air follicles and melanocyte, melanocyte stem cells.
0: Honey, I've just started doing microneedling of the scalp because that was my connection. I think after I listened to you, one of your stories about the burns victim that I want to mm-hmm. discuss as well. And so my brain went, hmm okay, I'm taking FOTI now, I'm taking Stem Regen, I'm taking all of these things to try to reverse the hair that's starting to go gray. And uh, if if I create a sort of a micro injury there and create that signaling molecule to say, hey, priority up here, um, it may override some of the other priorities that are, are, you know, because I want it to go there and do that.
1: I mean, Um, an organ won't, Create a an over priority over another one. What happens is just that they circulate everywhere. When, when they go to a place there's an injury, they're called. Now the strength of the injury, the, the degree of the injury will create a, a higher, a, a higher pull, if you want, in one area. So number wise, more could be pulled in an area. But yeah. if you don't have like severe injury, the moment you create an injury in the scalp, it becomes one of the areas where they will migrate. Wow. So
0: that, that, yeah. that, that just makes so so much sense. So, can you tell us that that story about the the lady who was burnt as a as a as a young woman? And um, so, this is in the
1: early days of of working with this blue green algae. So we have all these cases, you know, multiple girls is delivered, the, the heart, all of these, but they're just stories, you know. I don't have the medical record. Um, I am the type of scientist that I'm not going to deny life real life observation because i cannot explain them it's very common in science if i cannot explain it i will deny i say it's you you make a wrong observation there's a mistake in there because it doesn't fit with my mental representation of the world i find it actually pretty dumb (laughs) so thank you arrogant (laughs) but arrogant. Um, I, I, and, and the funny thing is that every five years, we discover that we were wrong five years ago. And it never happens that today, well, we will, be, we will be wrong five years from now. So I just, I observe reality. And if I can explain it, I just say, I can't explain it. So in any case, I'm having all these cases. I don't deny them, but I can't explain them. They're not medical records. So they just don't rise to the level of love of like gnawing at me, you know, like being compelling to tell me you've got to study that, you know, to study this whole thing until I got that case. So this is a photo album that I got in the mail and uh, there was a letter with it. And that lady is describing how, when she was 12 years old, she was walking with a kerosene lamp and she tripped and she, she fell and she burned herself on her face, chest and arm, third degree. She was heavily scarred, like, like a burned patient, like heavily scarred all her life. At 60 years old, so this is 50 years later, she, somebody gives her that blue-green algae for whatever, not for her poor scars, I'm sure. Then she says the first thing that happened is that the scars became inflamed, red, and itchy. But So you would think, many people would think, oh, this is an allergic reaction, this is wrong, and I should stop. But she said, for her, it felt healing itchiness. So she continued to take the product, and she took a picture of herself in the mirror every week. And she ends by saying, go and look at the photo album. And as I'm going through the photo album over one year's time, the last picture has no scars left and you could see the entire transition. So that I could not deny. It's not a study, but how do you deny that? It's like what I said before. When you see somebody fly, how can you deny this? He's flying. So now that means we can all fly. If we don't explain it, we cannot deny. So I cannot deny that this woman completely reversed her scars in a world where, as far as I know, you don't reverse scars. No. So it became the case when I'm saying, OK, we need to know what this product is doing. So we started to do various projects. We got good data, but nothing that ever really explained it until I fell on this article describing stem cells going to the brain. And that was the start you know, of everything that we've talked about today.
0: Wow. That's just amazing. And that is
1: something that is interesting to to think about as well, because scars, for example, it's very common for a scar to be physiological years after the scar has technically healed. You can determine that a scar is physiological in a very simple way. Measure your pulse. So feel the strength of your pulse and then touch or have someone touch the scar while you monitor your pulse. And for one second, you will have a drop in the pulse as the scar will release a very small amount of adrenaline. Mm. Adrenaline increases blood pressure, but not in the first second that it's released. It's actually yeah. vasodilator. So you feel it. So you can tell, or if you have a consequence of the scars, like sometimes scars will, will, will lead to like uh, in, in the upper torso to maybe um, a reduction in the mobility of your neck, for example, yeah. Re- like, example, C-section, most women with a C-section, if you look at them from the side, they have an hyperlordosis, hypercurvature of the lower back, which will lead to back pain. Just take a nice a cube of ice, freeze that scar, and look at yourself in the mirror. You'll see the lordosis is gone, but it will come back as soon as it unfreezes. That is an active scar. So if you rub that scar very harshly with a cotton brush, not to blood, but enough to irritate the scar, now it becomes an injury. And now you, you release your own stem cells and you can really improve scars and all the consequence of scars, in, you know, in the body. So um, because there's a direct link between how many stem cells you have in circulation and the ability of your skin to repair. I mean, we may not have time to go through that, but yeah, that relationship is very clear.
0: That's amazing. I've got a a friend who has extensive burns and we're doing hyperbaric and, you know, I want him to get on this product and do that and um, stimulate. Irritate the injury. Yeah. Yeah. Just see document, see whether that does anything. Um, Last question. Um, lymphocytes you mentioned lymphocytes very briefly Uh, is there any um connection between stem cell release and improving the immune function um lymphocytes tend to to drop as we age um and you you know your neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio is a very important ratio to sort of see how your you know your your immune system's faring if you if you will um any, any research there
1: yes and no when we quantify lymphocytes uh in our studies because when you quantify stem cells you always quantify them as a proportion of your lymphocyte population yes. so we often quantify lymphocytes uh doing complete blood count so we know all the different types of lymphocytes and we have not seen historically any kind of change in the lymphocyte population so i would i would say no however a lot of these ingredients have also been documented mostly on their effect on the immune system. Example, the blue green algae. Uh, Before we discovered its effect on stem cells, what we had published, it's its effect on natural killer cells. So it puts more natural killer cells in blood, actually, sorry, it triggers the migration of natural killer cells out of the blood into the tissue, and it also activates them. So when people report no more colds in the winter, and a lot of benefits in various kinds of of, of viral based problems, like herpes, for example. I think it's linked to its effect on on uh, on NK cells. Uh, it tends to suppress. Uh, neutrophils, which yep. is probably partially linked to its anti-inflammatory effect as well, and it stimulates the front line of the immune system, which is your macrophages. So it has a very balancing effect on the immune system. You also have uh, documentation of the effect of seabuckthorn berry on the immune system. Ficoidan has been documented a lot on the ability of re- reducing the migration of, of neutrophils into your tissues where they trigger inflammation. So it's used a lot for arthritis and, and, and infl- inflammation in joints, for example. So a lot of these ingredients, their historical use has been to support the immune system, better glucose, cholesterol. So these are all products tied to the immune system. So there's there's a lot of a cross here with these ingredients and their effect on the immune system. I do not believe that the effect on the immune system is through stem cells. Stem cells are less than 1% of your lymphocyte population uh in the bloodstream at least so yeah. so at the end their impact on the on the peripheral blood uh, lymphocyte population is minimal
0: just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements. The latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that what's in my range so go and check it out at lisatarmati.com and and just finally fertility is there any research in relation to stem cells on fertility and lengthening you know <laughs> um, the fertile window or being able to conceive or anything like that or the age of the the eggs and the ovaries or anything like that That's all, your all your I questions
1: all your questions Spot on on amazing stories that we have. Um, I can only give you the answer through uh, through a series of uh, a stories that, yeah. where we yeah. can connect the dots because we have never done a yeah. study on that specifically. Um, when we started with the, this blue green algae extract, uh, in the it was a network marketing company, so there's communication with people and emerged this concept that was fascinating for me to observe they called babies born from people taking this product algae babies (laughs) Uh, and these were these were babies from mothers who took the product before or took the product during uh breastfeeding or provided the kids very young in the bottle or they gave them the product and typically it would be a very well a very healthy child no perinatal problems Very young, uh, emotional maturity, good coordination, good cognitive development. Like they just look like just like amazing young kids. So you would go to a meeting, you see a child. That's an algae child, right? An algae baby. It was a funny, it's not a study. It was just this observation, observation, you know, that was done. Uh, I know that in Dominican Republic, we used to ship product by the kilos to a doctor. uh, And I told them at the time, I don't want any data because if we start to document this, we could be in trouble with the FDA as the documentation goes out. So maybe it was a mistake, but we, we didn't want any documentation. He was saying he's working in a poor area. So all of his Uh, patients were poor women and so he just started to give them the product and he said it's very simple I'm going to summarize the data they have an easy pregnancy. They have no problem during the pregnancy. They deliver easily without problem. The child and the mom are healthy. So I'm giving it to all the mothers. Uh, but on fertility specifically, one thing that was also emerging is a number of couples who had tried to conceive for many years and they were unable to. And within a matter of a few months on the product, came back and had, a, had been able to conceive. And that led to a study that was done in... Um, in mexico uh at the time we were open in mexico and it's a fertility clinic that has seen two men uh with a very low sperm count like 2 million and 5 million which was too low to conceive and both of them were seen in a matter of a month or two with levels above 20 million which wow. made them to conceive so they saw that they were both using this product so they communicated with us so we shipped them product and it was included into a study with 14 couples and um and about three four months later i communicated with them. And I said, So, where are they with the study? And the contact between me and the clinic said, Don't tell me. They, they stopped the study. I said, What happened? Like, was there a problem? He said, No, seven of the couples are pregnant. You're killing the business model. So, I never got the data. So, I have no data to show. I just have that story. Yeah. And a t- this all I can say from a mechanism of action is that we have shown in our studies over the years we're adding we're adding various markers of stem cells to kind of document the different various subset of stem cells. So we have started around 2012-13. We started to add uh, CD34 and, and to gate with flow cytometry for small cells, the famous the famous V cells. Yep. Uh, so they are very small stem cells, and yep. those cells in the body are the most potent. And they have been shown to be able to become sperm and eggs as well. So they are the most pluripotent stem cells in in a a human body. And our product was shown to put more in circulation. And they are in a quiescent state, an activated state, and to, to activate a good proportion of them. So that's the only mechanism of action that we have documented in a few studies. It has not been published. Um, That gives me an understanding of how we could have an impact on fertility. I have no studies Not to proof. tell you no, real, yeah. or that it's good, but that's the backstory to it. So anytime a friend comes with that issue, I tell them, take it and, and tell and me. Try it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, would, I would give it a try. I would give it a try. That's all
0: absolutely. I can say. I'm absolutely blown away by this interview. I think it's one of the most fascinating interviews i've done and i've done a lot of interviews um so i'm just ecstatic to have met you uh grateful for your work um please keep it up and i'm going to be on stem regime forever
1: well, <laughs> and that's going to, to be you. a
0: long time yeah I, I am just absolutely just blown away by this um and i know there's going to be a lot of questions from my from my audience so probably be annoying you on occasion to perhaps come back and tell us what's the next What's the
1: latest? I would, I would be pleased to do so.
0: Oh, wonderful. Dr. Christian, you've been absolutely fabulous. Where can people find you um, and, and connect with you and uh, all of that sort of good stuff and your book?
1: Well, our website is stemregen.co, not .com, .co. Uh, the book is available soon on that website. Right now, it's on Amazon. Uh, we can ship to, to, to Australia. Uh, I know that you have a lot of followers in America, so they can yep. get the product in America. Yep. We will work to bring the product down there. Down to New Zealand. Uh, down down yeah. under... We're in New Zealand, so we need it in New
0: Zealand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll work together, and I'm trying to make that happen because uh, I think after listening to this episode, I think if people don't want to rush out right now and and grab some, you're you're a damn fool. So thank you so much. And your book is – your first book was Cracking the Stem Cell Code. Uh, The title of the second book is – I don't have a
1: title yet. I don't have a title yet, but I mean, honestly, it's ready to write. I just need the time to sit down. And it's going to be to explain how a decline in stem cells is the cause of disease formation and what we can do to to avoid that. What is the number of stem cells under which we're at risk to develop a problem, which make us not talk about stem cells as a risk factor. So now we talk the language of medicine and we can really now bring this whole concept through modern medical science.
0: Yeah, we've got to get this out to the world, Christian. It's just it's just too good to be kept to ourselves. Thank you so much for your time Thank today. You. It's been absolutely wonderful.
1: That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review, and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamity.com.